Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com. Helping works so that we can last, so we can just keep on doing it and actually pick up momentum and, and be energized through interacting with people who are wanting your help and, and putting to good use what you, what you gave them and, and being empowered and transformed. There's nothing like it. But if we do it wrong, there's just you, you might as well just jump out in traffic. And just get run over a bunch of times because it's going to feel the same way. How many of you uh, read uh, the book Culture of Honor? Okay, keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. All right. Now, people who do not have your hand up, look around and see how many people have their hand up. I just want you to feel like you're missing out. (laughs) This is a really great book. There's so much good stuff in here. It would take me all night to, to explain it all. But basically, it is the reality that we have been given a spirit of power, a spirit of love, power, and a sound mind or self-control. And the kingdom of heaven on the earth creates an environment where the people around you are powerful. And classically, that's when the trouble starts, is when... We have powerful children, we have powerful spouses, we have powerful leaders, we have powerful followers, we have powerful women. That's when things get interesting, (laughs) especially in the church, because for generations we have trained ourselves and our women, that they are actually second class. You'll never be as powerful as a man. Deal with it. Like, wow, wow. What just happened there? That's a different book out there. That's powerful and free. That that'll help you with there. But this is just this is just dealing with surrounding yourself with powerful people and learning how to honor all people. And uh, that's that's really good stuff. And uh, business of honors. Really, this is a, a new book that uh, a friend of mine and I just wrote, Bob Hassan and I. This is a, a, a story of a business guy that is applying. The transformation of really going from a powerless slave in how he led his company to becoming a powerful son. And so uh, the first chapter is a, a compare and contrast between two companies, one that's very much uh, run by a fathering mentality and the other one by an orphan mentality. The first one is Guinness Beer Company, and the other one is Enron. And uh, both both pretty impressive in their own right and had a completely different life. Um, And then uh, this is uh, 
a box of stuff right here. This is a box of stuff. This is kind of heavy. It's a little bit heavy. It's, you know, you have to be strong to hold it out straight like this. It's got a uh, Keep Your Love On book, a study guide, and uh, 10 sessions on video. This would be great for a small group. Um, you know, this would be like, this would be, this would be, uh... Ron, do you guys have this? Hi, buddy. Hey, hold, hold that thought. Hold that thought. Ron, do you guys have this yet? Here, here. There you go. Come on, baby. Come here. Hey, buddy, you're welcome, man. Aaron, come here. Come here. Which one of these do you want, buddy? Do you work with people? Do you work with people? Take that one. That's a good, good choice. Good choice. Good choice. All right. Anybody's birthday today? Seriously? In your birthday, too? Two birthdays? Well, come up here. Come up here. I'm not, I can't run in two directions. You do? Okay. Would you, you, you could trade that if you want with something else back there. Just, just tell them. You too. If you want to trade it, go ahead. Don't tell them I sent you. Okay. Happy birthday. Yeah. Very good. Okay. More free stuff here. Uh, this is, this is the free stuff right here. Okay. If you like to, if you like to read, there's blogs, just coming out our blogs, and there are, there are videos, you know, like uh, YouTube channel, you get in that, and there's just, I don't know how many years of, I mean, there are, year, there are YouTube videos where I look so much younger, <laughs> and Sherry and Brittany and all of us look younger. Great, yeah, thanks, man. And uh, if you'd like to listen, there's podcasts, and we've got more podcasts coming. So there you go. And, and then there's the Life Academy. This is where you get to give me some money, finally. Finally. Finally, you get to give me some money. I know. I've been holding out on you. But if you want to, it, this is the Life Academy. And uh, this is, once again, it's online training. And eight, eight sessions, study guide. Do it by yourself at your own pace. Do it with a group, however you'd like to do it. But it's it's all our latest stuff. It's all the stuff that I've been recording and we'll be adding to it. We, we just, did a, uh, just released another one that's called The Path from Betrayal to Restoration. It's really about healing up a broken heart. And so many people are going through these relationship breakups where, you know, somebody fails. And um, if you've never failed, raise your hand. Okay, there's a fail for you. Count yourself in. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, is, it is, there's nobody in the world who hasn't failed, right? But it's so shocking to us. Every time it happens, you're like, I can't believe you failed. I can't believe you made a poor choice. I can't believe you did that. Believe it. <laughs> and in that, we better have a way of dealing with humans, we better figure out how to actually put the new covenant to work. I don't know where we came up with this idea that we're going to be saved. We're going to get saved. We're going to come to know Jesus. We're going to accept Jesus into our lives and everything's got to go right. 
I know, people don't normally talk like this, do they? <laughs> no, no, th no the things are not just going to go smooth because you became a Christian. I'm sorry if nobody's told you that before. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's the application of forgiveness. It's the application of repentance. It's the, it's the application of reconciliation, restoration. These things, these things are available to us, but they're not very much fun. But it's pretty much everybody in this room is going to be doing it. So that would be one of the things that you could have access to that is super helpful. And if you're in that place, then you probably have a little voice inside of you right now going, did I write down how to do this, get a hold of this? Just go to lovingonpurpose.com, and usually I have a web address up there, but this is a new, new, uh, new slide, so it's not up there. But this is our new little thing right here, your path to relational success. That's new. That's what I want to be sure to get up there, and I didn't put the website up there. <sighs> These things that i got to figure out. Well, Sherry's asking me if I was going to tell you about this part. It is 50% off because you are in this room right now. And if you get online, because you didn't get a card when you went out there, because you had to get to the pizza parlor, you can use this code for the next couple days until Sherry takes it down. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I don't know how long that's going to be. I don't know. I, you know, she might be in a good mood. I don't know. You know, she could last, leave it up there for a while or not. I don't even know. I don't, we don't even know. But Austin 2019, type that in at your checkout, and it's half off. So I don't know where else you're going to get this kind of stuff. But maybe, maybe you are. I don't know. Okay, here we are. It is, we are right on schedule. We are right on time. This is so good. Um, I would like to invite you to 1984. 1984, Sherry and I get married. We get married, and you were there. Something important is that you realize that is Bill Johnson right there. And he's going to sing a little song to you. He and Vinny are going to sing. You're welcome. They were stretching down the highway in an endless line. If I had a time for every time, I'd fall if I was too. I could buy myself a lifetime just to spend on you. Maybe you could care for someone just like me. This back will build it everything. Maybe you're a Someone just like me. Who 
who are those children right there? Oh my God. It's the only time I've ever heard this song in my whole life. Okay, Bill's going to hit the high notes here in just a minute. Okay, here he comes. Bill used to lead worship every Sunday. Ready? Here we go. All right, this is almost over. You smile, Bill. Look at those people. Now there's Benny. There's Benny. Now wait for it. Wait for it. Ready? There's Chris Valentin right there. <laughs> yeah, there's me and Chris. I met Chris when I was 16 years old. Mwah. Yeah. So he's going to slap me. Whack. So I'm going to grab his butt here in just a second. Ready? Woo! There we go. There we go. <laughs> now, this is when uh, video cameras just came out. The rich guy in the back of the room with a big old box on his shoulder. A little butterfly zoom. Chris has never been on camera before, so I tell him, hey, you know what? Uh, he's got a video camera. Chris says, oh my gosh, I was born for cameras. Wait a minute. Hey, hi. Like whack, whack. Lots of whacking going on. Lots of whacking. Now this is Charlie Harper. He's part of the senior team at Bethel. Get that camera off of me. Yeah. Uh-huh. But here's really what I wanted you to see. Okay. There she is. There she is. Now I want you to watch her her eyebrows and her bangs. Okay? haircut of my life happened the night before my wedding. Yeah. Yeah. I slowed that down for you. There you have it. There you have it. 1984. What I, what I want to talk about tonight is 
40 years of relationships. I want to I want to show you where you're going. I want to show you, I want to give you a glimpse of where this where this goes. What what's happening here? What you're building here? I mean, none of us would have thought in the mid 1980s that we were all going to be part of changing the world. You know, we're from Weaverville. I mean, hardly anybody leaves Weaverville. I, I was just mentioning that I, I didn't have a passport until I was 39 years old. Yeah. What do you need a passport for? Redding's in California. <laughs> it's probably the biggest city I'll ever go to on purpose. Unless I go to a prison. <laughs> Nobody leaves Weaverville. And then God sends an apostle to Weaverville. And all of a sudden, Weaverville becomes the center of the universe. You probably didn't know that part. Yeah, well, all of a sudden, we now think that we exist for the benefit of the planet. All because of one guy who has a passion to bring heaven to the earth. And so our lives are, are stuffed with meaning and purpose and faith and hope. And we, book, we became a family. I met Chris when I was 16 years old. I didn't get saved till I was 21. So I knew Chris Valentin for five years while I lived with my girlfriend Smoked as much pot as I could find and sold as much stuff as we could find so we could buy more pot. The day that I got saved, that weekend I got saved, I went and found Chris. He had a 76 station. I said, hey, Chris, hey, uh. So how do you go to church? He said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, they're not going to let me just walk into a church, right? Wow. He says, yeah, you just walk in. I said, oh, they're going to let me just walk into a church. He says, I'll meet you in the parking lot. And I got saved that day. Bill and Chris prayed with me. Sherry is a month ahead of me, so she's the mature Christian in my life. <laughs> but I was introduced to something. I was introduced to a people. I was introduced to a body. I was introduced to something I had no idea existed. And so I, I want to talk to you tonight about really how this body functions, how the body of Christ 
lasts is through this idea of covenant, which we don't really hear a lot about anymore. That word doesn't really find its way into our vocabulary much in the 2000s. You know, I, I, I think we like to talk about our dreams and, 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 and being sons and daughters of the limitless king, and he supplies our dreams, and, and we get to live our dreams and what we're passionate about, and why we were created so we could live our passionate dreams. And we hear lots of that. But we don't hear much about covenant. We don't, we don't really hear much about what it is that Jesus came and demonstrated for us. You know, when we, we talk about covenant, we have to understand that covenant is an agreement that requires death. So if you're going to make a covenant, if you're going to live in a covenant, then you have to understand that the only way this thing works is because there was death that made it possible. So in the, in the Old Testament, there are, there's a practice of, of making a covenant. You see it with uh, Abram and God. The first covenant, really, between God and man is this, you, know, you take a bull, you cut it in half. You ever seen a bull? It's a very large animal. You cut a bull in half, bah! and then you separate the parts. It must be very strong covenant makers. They pull the halves apart, and then in this case with Abram, they, they, they take a heifer, bam, cut it in half, pull the parts, pull the halves apart. Then they take a ram, which I'm sure they were happy to get to by then, bam, cut it in half, separate the parts. And they have a couple birds. I think they just threw them in there. <laughs> and now the two who are going to make a covenant pass between the halves. Right? And so this is, you know, think about it. Think about it. the two who are making this covenant are now going to pass between what we separated. <laughs> Right, this is before rubber boots, right? Yeah. And so they get to the other other side of what they've passed through and they look at it. And the inference is this the two who've made the covenant look at what they just walked through together. And the inference is this may the same thing happen to either one of us if we break this covenant. Like, whoa. This is before lawyers, right? <laughs> yeah, this is when your yes was your yes. This is when my word was my bond. Now, what is it that we've just passed through? Blood, guts, mess, death. That's what we have passed through. In the new covenant, the, the, the baptism is, is being buried in his death, and hopefully they pull you back up into the resurrection. But it is through his death that we are able to make covenant. Now, 
Jesus puts it like this. He says, don't you know that unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone? It remains singled out. It remains isolated. It remains insignificant. It remains impotent. But if it dies, now life has its meaning. Now this thing multiplies. Now your life actually touches the lives of others and creates more life. Which is why we're here. See, the, the seduction, the temptation is to lure you away from the mess. To, to, to convince you that a fruitful, meaningful life can happen separated, isolated. Proverbs 18.1 says that a man who isolates himself or woman seeks his own desire, and rages against wise counsel and judgment. See, the spirit of this world would love nothing more than for you to be afraid of covenant. For you to pretend like you have one. Yeah, marriage is just a piece of paper. Doesn't mean anything. Well, then why don't you do it? Because it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, because then you could just pretend that you have a covenant. And then when there's mess, when there's death required on your part, there is no covenant. See, a lot of people had a wedding and never made a covenant. So I'm not, I'm not trying to hype up weddings here. You know, lots and lots and lots and lots of people have weddings. Not as many people make a covenant. Paul says it like this. He says, don't you know that there really is no purpose to a seed unless it dies? The very reason a seed exists is so that it will die. And the sower doesn't get to decide what grows. God decides what grows. You don't get to sow Brussels sprout and reap watermelon. See, the, the sower sows. That's the sower's job. And so when we pour into covenant, when we, when we give our life for the benefit of someone else, when we open our lives to the influence of someone else, I don't get to determine what happens with that. I don't get to determine how you sow into my life, and I don't get to determine what you do with what I sowed into your life. How many of you have children? Okay. These people have been trying to kill you since they met you. 
mommy, were you hoping to keep that breakfast? I don't think so. Hi, Dad. How you doing? Were you, were you hoping to ever see sleep again? Not for years. My relationship with my children upon meeting these people is nothing but sacrifice. Nothing but ridiculous amounts of sacrifice. Like you did not know you had this much to sacrifice prior to meeting your children. Some people are just going to run out right now. They are just going to run out of here. It's more than I can take. Probably a single person. But here's the deal. You never met anybody that demanded more from you than your children. And there isn't anybody on this planet that you would sacrifice faster for. See, covenant brings out the best in us. That's why it is so devastating, so destructive to be lured away from it. You and I were designed to love this deeply. And covenant is the only thing that will test you at that level. When I make a covenant with somebody, I, I have to understand something, and that is that I don't control you. You don't control me. See, this is where covenant got a bad name is somebody, I don't know how this happened, but somebody convinced somebody else that they could control them. You, know, you can't control other people. You can't. How many of you have been married at least 25 years? Keep your hand up. Keep your hand up. Everybody look around. Look how many people have been married at least 25 years. Come on. At least 25 years. Because it takes about 25 years before you finally just give up all hope of ever controlling that person. The day of your 25th wedding anniversary, you just look over at them and say, you're never going to change, are you? You are always going to be like this, aren't you? Well, what are we going to do now? I don't know. We've got to figure this out. In a covenant, I don't control you. That was never my goal. My goal is to sow into you for benefit. That's what I'm here to do. I'm here to take whatever I have and add benefit to your life. In a covenant, we give each other permission to change each other's minds. 
I got to have somebody in my life. I'm a powerful person. I am a powerful person, and I'm getting old. These are the toughest people to deal with. I've got to have somebody in my life that can tell me no. I've got to have somebody in my life who can set up a red light and say, stop. And I will. A bunch of these people were in my wedding. Because I'm committed to making adjustments to protect our connections. They're committed to making adjustments to protect our connection. And so we're able, we've learned that so often we take something that is just truth, truth, biblical truth. That's even more powerful than truth. (laughs) Biblical truth. We're taking biblical truth and we disagree about it. We disagree about biblical truth. How can we go on from here where we disagree about biblical truth? (laughs) And so our disagreement, which actually turns into my opinion, rules over our love. This is how you have a lousy marriage right here. Just pay attention. This is how you do it, is you exalt the disagreement above the love. But covenant practice is we move the commitment to the relationship, to the love. We exalt it above the disagreement. That way, love will rule over any of our opinions or disagreements. And that's how you create adjustments. But that's also how you end up dying. You end up dying to protect the love. And so this is what makes it true that they will know we were Christians because of our love. Not because of our theology. Not because of our rigid insistence on being right. They will know we belong to Jesus because we figured out how to take the disagreement and subordinate it to the love. The practice of this going ongoing in our, in our relationships, in our families. I mean, how many of you have adult children? That was a shock, wasn't it? That was a shock. I mean, these people just do whatever they want, don't they? They just do whatever they want. Even if we disagree. You know, I'm not going to have you raise your hand, but how many of you had your theology adjusted on the other side of adult children? Why? Because you're trying to protect your connection to them. Because you're willing to put your pet away. You kindled that thing. I mean, I preached. I, I, I Facebooked about that. <laughs> then my kid went and did it. 
Now what am I going to do? Well, hopefully you were smart enough to adjust and protect your connection. I mean, I love, I, 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 I can't even tell you the number of people who've come and said, my child told me that they were gay. And they've invited me to the wedding. But I can't go because if I go, then I'm condoning their lifestyle. And I will not do it. I know I'm in Texas. I know some of you got that look on your face like, oh, he better not do this. It is way too late for that. Please listen, and please listen with your heart and, and not with your church. You raise this child to know what you think is right. This child's been around you under your governance. Their whole life. They grew up hearing about what you think about what that guy in the news said. They grew up hearing about what you think about that person's driving. There is no doubt in their mind what you think is right and what you think is wrong. Okay? They know. But right now what they probably don't know is if you value, value your Biblical perspective more than you value them. That's probably what they don't know. So, go to the dang wedding. Just go to the wedding. You can thank me later. Practice your covenant with your child and become famous for laying your life down, laying your opinion down, fighting to win an argument or fighting to get your connection back. Because, by the way, Jesus doesn't agree with most of us. You know who you are. And he's right here. He's right here. He didn't go anywhere. He's a little bit scared of what somebody thinks of him because he stood by you. He's not a little bit scared. Why? Because he has a covenant with me. He has a covenant with you. This is what covenant does. Covenant chases fear away because it's rooted and grounded in love. It chases my fear away because I, I am here to, to show you 
my love for you. Actually, I'm here to show you my Father's love for you. And then right on the heels of that is my love. But it's, it's because he loved me that I can love. The, the, the woman caught in the act of adultery, this, this story is so fabulous because it blows everybody's mind, just blows it off. Starting with the Pharisees, right? I mean, I mean Jesus is, he's, he's, he's here to show us the Father, which it seems like everybody in, the, in observation of this scene doesn't know the Father. They catch this woman in the act of adultery, caught her in the act. They bring this woman. Now, generally, when, when someone is caught in the act of adultery, there's two people. Usually. But they bring the woman. Why? Because they know there are no laws that protect her. And they probably knew the guy. Just something to think about. They bring her, they throw her at Jesus' feet, and they go, wait, a fairy act in the very act. <laughs> and then they step back and they're like, yep, we're going to, we want everyone here to know that Jesus has to play by the same rules. And Jesus, he bends down, he gets closer to the woman. He writes something in the sand. We don't know what it was. We've all heard sermons about what it was. <laughs> and then he says, okay, sinless one Kenobi, step up. Have at her. Come on. Have your way. Kill her. Killer with rocks. And starting with the oldest, they start peeling off and disappearing. And finally, they've all left, and Jesus says to the woman, Where are those who would punish you to death? Where are those who would condemn you? Now, this woman is laying there waiting to be killed with rocks. Do you know how miserable a death this is going to be? She is sobbing. She is just traumatized. And after he says that to her, he, she probably pulls back her hair and looks out and says, they're gone. Those who would condemn me to death for my sin, they're gone. But you see, sinless one Kenobi is sitting right next to her. The one who qualifies to be her punisher, the one who qualifies to kill her, is right there. 
And he says to her, neither do I condemn you. Neither am I your punisher. See, Jesus didn't come to show us the church or the Bible. Or how to lead people to Jesus. That's a dramatic pause right there. (laughs) To allow for the marinating effects of the last statement that I just said. Because you can't believe I said it. Jesus didn't lead anybody to Jesus. I don't know if you noticed that. He didn't have a Bible. Didn't plant one church. No, Jesus came to show the world his Father. And everybody who witnessed that scene that day got to see his Father. See, this is before the blood of Jesus was poured out for her sin. This is before that. We can't even... Blame this scene on the cross. She didn't repent. She didn't ask for forgiveness. He didn't forgive her because she asked him to. It's so important. She experienced the covenant that Jesus and his father were about to make. That all of us get to experience. We get to experience the covenant that Jesus made. And enter Forgiveness. How many of you remember uh, John Q, movie John Q, Danzel Washington? You got to love us on Danzel, huh? Oh, uh huh. Well, this movie, Danzel is, uh, he's, you know, he's got a little boy, Mikey, who has a weak heart. And uh, he collapses on the ball field, and they whisk him to the hospital. They get there, and they find out he needs a heart transplant. They're like, oh, my gosh. And then they ask, do you have insurance? He goes, ah, I've been cut back at the factory. I lost my insurance benefits. Oh. Well, then we can't put you on the donor list because you don't have insurance, so your son's pretty much just going to die. And so... John goes to work to raise the money for a heart transplant so he can pay cash for it, right? Well, he sells everything he has, and he doesn't have anything close to what it's going to cost. So his wife, in desperation, at one point, she walks up to him, and she says, John, I don't know what you're going to do, but you do something. And when your wife says that to you, you are going to do something. 
And so he goes down to that same hospital, and he goes in the emergency room, and he takes everyone in the emergency room that day hostage. Because that's something, right? Fortunately for him, the world's greatest heart surgeon was in the emergency room. Who knew? You haven't seen it yet, have you? Yeah, it's amazing. So the, there's this scene where they finally got Mikey in there too, and the doctor and John are having a conversation about what to do next. We're in trouble, John. Mike's blood pressure has dropped into the mid-40s. His atrial blood pressure should be in the low teens. It's 35. I'm sorry, John. Without a new heart, he's not going to make it. Okay. Take mine. What? You heard me. Take my heart, and you put it in Mike. Oh, Mike. You can't be serious. You bet I'm serious. I'm dead serious. Oh, my God. Wow. Man, that means you'll be dead. And my son will live. John, you can't do this. Man, that means you'll be dead. See, if we're going to show the world the Father, then we have to understand who the Father is. And we have, we have been lulled into comfort and self-preservation, which wars against covenant. It wars against understanding what it means to sacrifice. But that really is the reason that we're here. That's, that's how a family has a legacy is that those family members are willing to sacrifice to exalt the differences exalt the love above the differences that's what we do how many of you have family members okay how many of you have family members who have done something that you would never do how many of you have family members who totally disagree with you? How many of you realize those people are still family members? That's how this works. We're not building an organization. We're building a family. We're part of a body. We have the same father. That makes us a family. That's what Jesus is showing us. And we like to exalt the difference over the love. We don't just, you know, dad got a speeding ticket. Sorry, kids. Dad got a speeding ticket. We're going to replace him. <laughs> yep. Enough of that. I know he's the leader of the family and all, but whatever. We can't deal with that. And uh, your, your older sister, she's out. She went to bed. She's out. She's out. She's in another family now. Let that be a lesson to you. No, no, you know, mistakes don't eliminate family members. I mean, they can. Ultimately, they can. But you've got to try pretty hard. You don't have to try very hard in most Christian environments. You just have to disagree. 
We just have to disagree, or you did something that shocked me. I can't, I'd never seen anybody do that before. I'm going to another group of strangers until they show me them. You know, I don't know what we're hoping for. You're, gonna, you're hoping to find some pack of perfect people? Because if you do, they're going to kick you out. <laughs> this is all about covenant. That's, that's what we're doing. How many of you have ever been to California? I mean, oh, and you admit it. That's awesome. Good, good. Got, we got the California Redwoods there. They're better than the Oregon Redwoods. Actually, just, uh, just saying. These trees are pretty stunning. Pretty stunning. I mean, some of them are, you know, as big around as, you know, that section right there. They're, they're enormous. You can, you can drive a car through it. Yeah, I mean, you have to make a hole first, but you could drive a, you could drive a car through. I've seen some people try to drive without the hole. 30 stories high. They're planted on the, right on the Pacific coast. And so the, the Pacific storms roll off the ocean, and the first thing they hit is this wall of trees. Some of them have been there nearly 2,000 years, just catching these storms. Storm after storm after storm with these huge boughs of limbs that just catch all the wind. These storms are just beating against these gigantic trees. And they just laugh at the ocean. Ha, 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 ha. Is that all you got? I'll let you rest and then you come back. Interesting is these these trees, classically a, a, a evergreen tree, will have a taproot nearly a third as deep as they are high. So these, these trees should have a taproot tap about 10 stories deep, kind of anchoring them in. They have a taproot about six feet, which is a dent, basically. How is this not the incredible domino forest? It's because they have a lateral root system that is as deep as this room, probably deeper, grabbing on to each other for centuries, grabbing on to each other, holding on to each other, grabbing on to roots. They don't even know what is at that root. I just grabbed it because it was there. Ah! Why? Because these storms are just crushing them. And then it's like, Argh! and all the storm does is just shows me, oh, I didn't know I had that a little bit of room right there. <laughs> see, this is covenant. We can see covenant in God's creation. We can see these trees grabbing on to trees that that tree can't even see from where it is. If trees could see, couldn't even see it. Why? Because that's covenant. Covenant going in miles in every direction, grabbing on and anchoring people we don't even know exist 
Because there are people who laid their lives down in prayer and faith and sacrifice that have a hold of your life right now. That's how this works. This is what covenant does. It shows me that I'd be willing to lay my life down to strengthen yours. See, when Sherry and I got married, uh, you know, we had, we had a busted up right here. Sherry was talking about it today. Fifteen marriages be- between our parents. Each of our parents have been married three times. That includes Sherry's stepfather, so there's five of them. That's what's rolling in. That's what wants to coach us on covenant. And I got saved. I walked into this church, and I'm meeting these people, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. I mean, uh, both these children are yours, and uh, just you two? So, the, so you two had both of these children, and you have other children in other places? No? These are only children. That's only... Really? Because that one's 11. Huh. You have three children. They're all teenagers. And these are the only children you've ever had, and you're the only parents they've ever had. Really? Huh. And you have, you have adult children. They're in college, and they, you talk about them, but I've never met them. And you're the only two parents they ever had. And you're the only parents they ever had. That's weird. Does does everybody in this church lie? (laughs) Because I had never seen it. I had never seen a a husband and wife raise their children to adulthood. I'd never seen it. And now I have. Now I've seen it. Like, oh my gosh. And once you see something, it becomes the standard. I go, it's possible, and now it's something I require of myself. It's okay, I'm going to live like that. Huh. Now, a little unknown fact, or little known fact, I put it in a book, I guess it's more known than I think it is, but (laughs) Sherry and I, we we come in for premarital counseling with Bill, and uh, he keeps a little secret. Twelve years later, we're at his house, and we're... We were bickering about something, and he throws his head back. Ha, ha, that reminds me of that note that was on your assessment. What note? Remember the Taylor Johnson compatibility assessment that you did? Yeah. Remember the note that the psychologist put on there? No. I didn't tell you about the note. What note? And from the kitchen, Benny says, oh, Bill, you didn't tell them. Tell us what? Oh, that's weird. Huh. Well, for 10 years, I would take the, the, the sheets from the couple. I'd put it in an envelope. I'd send it to the psychologist. He'd run it through his software. He'd kick out a report, and I'd go over it with the couple. I mean, 10 years I did this. 10 years, back and forth, back and forth. I got yours back. Opened it up. There's a Post-it note on it. It says, Bill, do whatever you can to stop this marriage. No, no, you didn't tell us about that. (laughs) Which would help explain the last 12 years of hell. 
And so Sherry and I got 15 marriages coaching us on what to do, and we have been diagnosed as clinically incompatible. But you know what? We, we, we know people of covenant, and they set the bar way up here. And every time we, you know, we, we knew where to go to get out of it. We knew where to go. But we had the hope of covenant. We were in the, we were in the redwood forest. We had people that had a hold of our lives. They weren't letting go of us. They're not letting go of us. And when the storms came, and they came every day, they came. I could feel the strength around us saying, you're not going down. You're not going down because we're not going down. Don't you lay down. And they kept kicking us back into it. Next month will be 35 years for this lady right here. <laughs> That's a miracle right there, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> this always reminds me of corn. You're probably wondering, when's he going to get to the corn part, right? Somewhere they care about corn, so much so they have contests about it, right? They're like, you know, they're like trying to figure out who's got the best corn, like there is such a thing. And eventually they send a farmer's almanac guy out, and he is meeting with this one farmer who's running the table. You know, he's just like got a corn dynasty going, and they're like, how are you doing this? He says, well, that's easy. He says, every year what I do is I take last year's corn stock and I give it to all the farmers around me so that the only pollen that ever blows across my crop is last year's champion. I'm like, oh, that's pretty good. So my question for you is whose life is blown across yours? Who have you surrounded yourself with? What is the standard of covenant of the people around you? Hopefully it's not Facebook. Hopefully you're not the strongest one in your group. Because if you're the strongest one in your group, you're in so much trouble. See, this is why a family like this is so important. Is that the strength of covenant is grabbing on to Bethel Austin from all over the globe. from people you don't even know. And your lives are being sown into generations of people that you'll never even meet. They'll never even be able to say thank you. 
we're just here to learn how to hang on to each other. We're just here to make sure that the people around us benefit from the, the strength that we're gathering in our lives. I know we like to blame everything on Jesus. Oh, that's because the Lord, oh, the Lord did that. And it's because he worked through you. I want you to understand that uh, this, this, this right here, yeah, it's a miracle. It's an absolute miracle that required Sherry and I to choose each other a million times. That's how this works. I mean, I know we all love Bill and Chris and all the Bethel people, but I got to tell you, they're a lot of work. They're a lot of work. Those are a lot of, lot of protecting the relationship above the differences. That's the truth with any family. That's the truth with any legacy. That's the truth with the momentum that you experience anywhere you experience it. It came from people willing to lay their life down to protect us. And so this is what we're doing. And this is, this is what I wanted to point out. It's, it's, it's who you are. It's, it's you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but it is Christ who's living through you. And that's what makes it possible. It's not impossible to walk away. But it's more possible than ever to not look like the world. Now, this isn't about uh, shaming anybody who's been divorced or who's, you know, come from wherever. I, I understand. I've, I've, been through, I've been through it all. I understand. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about today moving forward. Who have you surrounded yourself with? Look around. Look around and find out who you've put around you because that is what's going to help you with covenant. So let's all stand together. I want you to grab onto somebody next to you like we're some kind of redwood forest. Oh, there's great hope for this group. You bridge the aisles without me even telling you. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 Look at this. Oh, my gosh. People moving from their seats even. This is, wow. This is love if I've ever seen it. So good. Father, I thank you for what you're doing in this city. I thank you for what you're doing in this room. Thank you what you're doing in our hearts. And Lord, I pray that you show us what it means to live a legacy out loud for everybody to glean from. Help us to help us to hope for long-term relationships. Hope us to to Hope for 70-year marriages. 
Help us to hope for meeting our great-grandchildren and living in harmony with each generation. So, Father, I pray that you, you, you give us an authority, a fresh authority to face a spirit of division that we would in no way be intimidated or discouraged. And Lord, I break the hopelessness that comes from places where division has had its way. I break the shame. You are not broken relationships. You are part of the body of Christ, grafted in, wholly adopted. And Lord, I pray that you give us great courage to step into sacrifice where it's needed, to step into hanging on when it feels like we should let go. Lord, I pray for wisdom, great wisdom on how to negotiate conflict, confrontation. And Lord, I pray that as we walk out of here, that we would make you famous for our love for each other. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit www.bethelchurchaustin.com.